How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again. Another episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Today's Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. Years winded down. We just got done with another week in the NFL. Bull mania is about to be upon us. But once again, I am joined on the podcast by none other than Brett Baker. Brett, say what's up to the people. Hello, hello. I have actually changed my name officially and legally to the role player. So you should probably get that corrected. Um, I no longer answer to Brett. Yeah, he's the he's the role player. Actually, he thinks he's PJ Tucker. Or um, I'm trying to think of another great role player. I was going NFL, but I just can't Lou think of one off the top of my Williams. Sweet uh, Lou. No, Lou. Lou should be a starter. I don't know why he comes off the bench, but then he's a role player. They've got a couple. The Clippers are the best role player team in the league because they have Montrezl Harrell and then. Lou Williams, sweet Lou. Yeah, I really want the Hawks to get Montrez actually in free agent season, be a free agent this upcoming season. Oh, so yeah, I think cool. he would definitely. I like him. Yeah, he definitely fix a lot of our needs, and we could get him at a little bit of a discount as well. Hawks can have a lot of cap space prepared. But um, so last night there was a big record broken in NFL history. Um, Brett, would you like to congratulate this individual and tell the people what it was? Yeah, since you're going to be a little bit salty as a Falcons fan, I will congratulate Drew Brees. Actually, an odd record to break right now because Tom Brady is so close. But I honestly do not think that Tom Brady can keep pace with Drew Brees at this point. So I think Drew Brees is going to be the man with the plan. And in this situation, the plan is the most all-time passing touchdowns. Congratulations, Drew Brees. As a Falcons fan, Thomas won't congratulate you. But I'm sure he respects you, and I'm sure that he does not like to play you two times a year, in which he always has to do. So, let me congrats. let me just say this: uh, congratulations, Drew. I'll give it to you, man. That's an impressive feat. But I just want to say these two things: a lot of those came in time when the Saints were trash, and he would throw for 400 yards in the second half and like four touchdowns, so kind of like how James Winston does now. James throws three picks in the first half and four TDs in the second half. But um, also. Uh, Matt Ryan's on pace to actually break this record, so I just wanted to say those I two things. I would assume but... a couple quarterbacks are on pace to break yeah, the record. Yeah, Sta- Stafford is too, just like we were talking about earlier. Sta- the Lions, man, they throw in garbage time, but they give up the most yards in the league just as they get them. I saw that, uh, that uh, Matthew Stafford was put on IR, and I saw a tweet that <laughs> said that Drew Brees could rest easy because Matthew Stafford is on IR, and his touchdown record wasn't in jeopardy this season. <laughs> Yeah, I know. He definitely got lucky there, but I mean, I'm just not as impressed when it happens when teams aren't winning games. But I mean, I'm definitely more impressed by Breeze's record. But anyway. Breeze has been winning a lot of games for the last few years, that's for sure. He has, and he's come up short, though, in the on the biggest stages. So, you know, it's been it's been tough ways to go down for Breeze and for the Saints. But um, I actually have a little bit of an interesting take here, Brett, and I want you to tell me what you think about it. So, I feel like Russell Wilson this year, especially, you know, he's gotten to the point in his sport where he's like James Harden and LeBron are, you know, like these are guys who every single year you watch them, they get better and better. And you're just like, wow, this guy gets better. But somehow they end up not getting the MVP trophy. You know, Harden's been in the running for it pretty much every single year. I mean, this year he's averaging almost 40 points a game. And last year he averaged, I think it was 37 or 36. So getting better and better. I mean, you see LeBron in there every single year taking him to the playoffs as a top seed you know like it's just like we've come to expect it from these guys that's how I feel about Russell Wilson don't get me wrong Lamar Jackson's definitely the MVP 
But I feel like Russell Wilson deserves a little bit more respect for what he's done. You know, Russell Wilson has the award of the worst rated pass blocking offensive lines, according to pro football focus, I believe it's 31st in the league. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really feel like that Russell Wilson, what he does, he deserves more credit. I mean, the last few years, he hasn't had as much help this year. Obviously now he has DK Metcalf. Um, he is by the way, I'm impressed. I got that right. I've heard a lot of people mess it up, especially Joe Tessitore in that Monday night game. DK, uh, or he called him DK, uh, decaf. Yeah, that was or hilarious. No, decaf, was like, Metcalf. Yeah, that's what it was. It was decaf, decaf Metcalf. It was not even close. But you know, I really feel like that Russell Wilson. I mean, he's he's. It's been hard for him to do it, man. I mean, he doesn't have great offensive line. I mean, he has had a run game, but still, you know, it's really just been him and Pete Carroll. And I feel like, I mean, do you do you agree with me that you feel like he's gotten to that point where he's just so good that we kind of overlook what he does? I think when a player is super consistent like him and consistently good we start to just overlook them. It's kind of like I would you pointed towards basketball. I would point towards a little bit more towards someone like baseball. Like Mike Trout has been so good for so long that we kind of don't even look at Mike Trout. Like we just know that he's one of the greats, but we don't ever talk about just how great he is. And I think that, I mean, with Russell Wilson, he's never really had a bad season. I mean, this season could almost mirror his rookie season if you really, really looked at it. He's steadily increased his completion percentage as his career has progressed. I mean, it's just, he's consistent. I mean, he's the most consistent quarterback probably in the NFL, minus maybe Breeze. And I think that Breeze is another person that probably hasn't won as many MVPs as he should have in his career. And I think, yes... He deserves to win an MVP, but at the same time, in a season like this, in which Lamar Jackson is just having incredible outputs, like I just, you can't justify giving it to him just because he's consistently good. He needs a season of 40 plus passing touchdowns, and then that will get him the MVP. But I get what you're saying. I, I, I really do. I just think that it would be yeah. more ideal for him to have a season that was just, you know, off the beaten path of Russell Wilson. So if he goes and drops 45 touchdowns, he can be rewarded with the MVP. But every year, if he's dropping 35 touchdowns, like somebody is going to be doing more. Yeah, you know, I, I just feel like though still that Russell Wilson, he's done so much over his career. I mean, I'm not saying he necessarily deserves it over Lamar Jackson, but I feel like he deserves one, you know, one of these, like, especially last year, I felt like he, I mean, there's always, you know, at the end of the day, there's always going to be someone who's like Lamar someone, Jackson yeah. or Mahomes. You know, there's always going to be that guy who comes up, has the season you weren't expecting. Like, for example, everyone's trying to say Luka's the NBA MVP over Harden or LeBron, you know, like it's Luka, yeah, he's top five in assistant points, but, you know, Giannis, LeBron, and Harden have been doing this for much longer and at the same time Lucas team did last night win without him in there at Milwaukee that's not easy to do but you know everyone's mesmerized snapped by the new thing it's always too. the new thing yeah snapped to 18 game win streak so you know but it I really feel like that we're always you know we like the new we like what's new Lamar Jackson's what's new that's why he's getting it over Russell Wilson but well, I feel like, like Russell to, Wilson's making the most with so little I think we like what is shocking to us so Patrick Mahomes came in and we acted like we had never seen a dude play quarterback because he was so good. He was so dominant. He was throwing for three to four touchdown passes a game, throwing for mass amounts of yards. It just 
will never be a quarterback that scores or that has 30 touchdowns every single season. I don't think we're ever going to get to that point again because it's such a pass-friendly league. I think you have to have some anomaly of a season in which you break records. You do absolutely insane things. And as much as Russell Wilson has done in his career, he's never eclipsed over four or 4,200 yards. It's just he needs to do one step extra. And that is crazy to say because as many... I mean, this is a guy that's only led his team to less than 10 wins one time in his career. So it sucks because he. De- I think he does deserve an MVP, but I think he has to do a little bit more. And I, I think we are going to see that at some point in his career. Yeah, I mean, that is a pretty good way to put it, but I don't... I definitely, I guess, you know, I guess I can agree with you on the fact that he probably does need to put, take a little more step more, but I feel like he's reached that level, you know, where he's just always there and being underappreciated for it. But he's one of those of guys day, that is, he's one of those guys that takes on the quarterback role as a game manager position, even though he is more talented than your typical game managing quarterback. You know what I'm saying? He plays the game like he's almost like an Alex Smith type where he's going to control the tempo, control the pace. And he doesn't necessarily have to play that because we've seen it in crunch time. This man probably throws one of the best deep balls I've ever seen thrown period. And when he wants to put points on the board, he does. So it's just that he plays. So I guess methodically, he just wins football games. So it sucks to take that away from him. But at some point, He's going to have to just take things into his own hands and just score 40-plus touchdowns to secure an MVP. I truly believe that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's not it's, that's not something that's easy to do. I mean, Lamar Jackson 100% deserves MVP this year. I just feel like, you know, Russell Wilson deserves a little bit more credit for what he's doing. I mean, if I had a vote, I would still would give it to him. I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's tough luck for Russell Wilson. You, know, you kind of feel the same way with James Harden. What, what more can he do every single year? It feels like every single year mm-hmm. he gets better and better, but – Enough talk about MVPs now. Let's uh, move things over. I know to a topic that you're really interested in. You really want to talk about here. And that goals and boys matchup coming up here this weekend. Um, Both these teams' offenses kind of finally reappeared this week. Do you think that this is more to come this upcoming week? Or do you think that it was just kind of a little one-week fling? Well, first of all, the Cowboys' offense technically shows up in terms of yardage every single week. This period in which they've struggled they've done two things wrong one they have not been able to score pat once they get the ball past the 50 yard line whether they are like turning the ball over whether they're settling for field goals whatever they just have not been able to score and we had Brett Maher missing a lot of field goals that hurt the team in terms of being able to put us within a possession or whatever in crunch time so that sucked Whatever. However, we have been putting up yards each week. I think that we've been getting away from Zeke. That's the big thing. Uh, We have this weird thing in which once we get down by like a touchdown or two, or even the smallest incremental lead that the opposing team gets, they just are like, oh, well, we have to throw the ball fucking 40 times a game. So, I mean, I don't... I think that the Cowboys are going to smack the Eagles because the Eagles have struggled against some really piss poor teams. 
I'm actually leaning more towards the Eagles here. I think the Eagles figured out how to do things a little bit more last week, especially they moved the ball well up and down the field. The Eagles have a great run defense here, and I think they can stop Dallas's run and really force them into long passing downs and get to the quarterback. The Eagles are getting more healthy at the right time, actually. I do agree with you that Maurer was definitely hurting the Cowboys, but ultimately I think it's coaching that hurt them. You know, like they weren't running Zeke enough. We saw him ground and pound him this week. I thought that was huge, but on top of all that, I just really feel like the Eagles, you know, they found something in crunch time in that Giants game. You know, Boston Scott emerged a little bit. They figured out kind of, uh, I mean, Greg Ward emerged a little bit as a kind of a trustworthy option. They can't get the big play down the field they need, but they can still dump it off short. I think their defense can help them big time, and they're going to be at home. You know, it's going to be rough conditions. I've been seeing it's going to be in the 20s, you know, possibility of some precipitation. So That's cool, man. Ezekiel Elliott will run all over that snow. I think that with the Eagles, you pretty much take, with a division matchup like this, you pretty much take all the stats and you throw them out the window. Um, that is as true as it gets in this matchup. I've been watching it since I was a little kid. So it's like anything could, anything that you could imagine, mm-hmm. especially when both of these teams are 7-7, seven and seven, could happen and probably will happen. So I think that the Cowboys are just going to be too powerful offensively for them. Um, we already beat them by about 30 points earlier in the season. We're coming off a great victory against the Rams. I think that it's just going to kind of roll into uh, – they're going to roll into Philadelphia and roll out with a win. And they're going to clinch that NFC East in the process. Um, I, I see. I feel like no matter what, who wins this, that they're going home. But on top of all that, you know, I just, I just can't go against Philadelphia here, man. Philadelphia, every time they got their back against the wall, they seem to come out swinging and they seem to come out and get the job done. You know, Look, I feel man, like they, that's had a, gonna... they, they spent almost the entire game down against the Redskins. They barely beat the Giants at home on Monday Night Football. I mean, I I can't... They've lost to the Dolphins on the road. They got dominated by the Seahawks' defense. The Cowboys... I mean, I know you're not going to try to give them much credit on this, but the Cowboys' defense played absolutely phenomenal this week on all sides of the ball. This is a team that was playing really good they had just beat the Seahawks the Rams were not a slouch of a team they came in there took care of business and scored 44 points in the process I just can't imagine that we're gonna let a team that we've already beat we know this team we know what they're capable of I'm I'm thoroughly convinced that they're not gonna even stand a chance that's a hot take we just held Todd Gurley (laughs) to 20 yards total. So, I mean. Yeah, but Todd Gurley's knee is not all that. Look, the Rams, they've been very up and down this season. I mean, I didn't seriously think the Rams had a chance in that game. I know a lot of other people did. I did not at all. The, the only, game went about how I expected. Um, the I'm only not piece gonna of this game, though, is the only piece of this game that I'm worried about is Zach Ertz. And to be honest, if Zach Ertz kills us, so be it. But their receiving core is not going to do much against us. Their run game may hurt us a little bit through the pass, but I don't think they're going to get much yardage on the ground. We had two players last week go off for 100-plus yards at the running back position, so I'm expecting Tony Pollard to have a little bit of a role in this game. Divisional game. Got to switch it up a little bit, so I think that we're going to have a two-headed monster at running back. 
take care of business. Uh, I mean, they're going to come in expecting Dallas to run the ball, though, you know. And Philadelphia, on top of that, man, they have one of the best defenses in the league defending the run. I mean, this defense, they can step up and stop it. You, When you got a guy like Fletcher Cox plugging up the middle, I mean, it's tough for teams to run on you. So to say that they can't, that they're going to come in there and run all over them, I just don't really don't know about that one. You know, the Eagles are third in the league. They're only giving up 90 yards per game on the ground. But when I think about the Eagles, I think about last year. You know, you see you see Carson Wentz go down. Then all of a sudden they come out here to play at the Rams or they're 10-point underdogs. They win outright 30-23. Then they play the Texans with Nick Foles again, win 32-30, and have a game-winning drive there to win the game. Then they shut out Washington and make the playoffs, and that was when they pretty much they could not afford a loss. You know, they did struggle in these last two games this week, but they found a way to win. That's the Eagles' way of things. I can't count and rule the Eagles out. At the end of the day, they're going to – I mean, I feel like they're behind the eight ball coaching-wise here, you know, when it – you got a coach here that the um, they, with Kellen Moore on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't know if he can out coach someone, you know. So I'm I'm going with the Eagles, man. I like the Eagles here to get, to get it done. Well, you know what? We'll just agree to disagree. Um, I don't think the Eagles are going to be the death of the Cowboys. Look, I don't think this team is going to necessarily do great, but I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think this is where their season ends. Uh, a little fun fact for you. In the last five games that Ezekiel Elliott has played against the Philadelphia Eagles, he's gone over 100 each time. He has over 241 total receiving yards. He is a Philadelphia Eagles killer. And on top of that, another person that is a Philadelphia Eagles killer is the guy that won our division last year for us in the same exact game, and that is Amari Cooper. He actually has not been playing too hot in terms of production, uh, whether that be because he's hurt or just not getting the ball, either or. I expect him to have a pretty big impact in this game as well because, I mean, he's gone for a substantial amount of yards each game, 116 to be exact, against the Eagles per game with four touchdowns in four games. Um, I, I know there's no change in your mind here on this one, so I'm just going to say this. There's going to be a bloodbath 425 on Sunday in Philadelphia out in the cold. That's all I have to say about that game. Um, so today, actually, news broke that Drew Holiday's kind of changed the subject a little bit here to some NBA, that he is up for grabs on the Pelicans. Um, first off, what do you think about this news, and where do you think is his best landing spot? Well... I think that the Pelicans are in a great position as a franchise, first and foremost. Secondly, I think it is a pretty good idea to try to get as much from a player like Drew Holiday. Look, this is a player that has a pretty good relationship with this franchise and the city. I think getting him in a better situation is paramount for them. And also to get as much back from this situation is paramount for the Pelicans. So I think that it's a great over, it's a great overall deal. Um, there's plenty of landing spots for him that obviously teams could use him all across the board. Whether it be the, I don't, I wouldn't think they. I mean, it's hard to say, but I think that the best option for him is probably to go to the Miami Heat. I'd also like to see him. I don't know what type of landing power they would have, but I'd love to see him play alongside uh, the Mavericks. That'd be awesome. Um, 
right now it's just fresh on the trade block, so we really haven't got to see as much as we'd like to as far as teams engaging with them in conversation. So it's it's hard to say. I heard the Knicks were talking to them, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> the Knicks what, can't do anything right. Would you expect anything less from them? What are they going to do with him? I don't even think they know, honestly. The Knicks <laughs> like, are just... They're like, ooh, Drew Holiday is available. Let's get him. I mean... The, the Knicks don't know what they're doing. Let's be honest. Fizdale's a great coach. I mean, if he doesn't work in New York, that doesn't mean anything, you know? It's it's New York, man. And, Dude, but this is... I, the I, only like, thing that he would do for the franchise of the New York why Knicks... why they give the Pelicans all... Yeah, the, the Knicks... I don't even have words to describe them, but... If, why the they, only thing that he would do for the Knicks is push them out of the lottery or push them back in the lottery, which is, I mean, what are you thinking? Nah, man, they don't, they don't need a draft pick that high. They wouldn't even know what to do with it. They'd take the wrong player and tr- or they'd would, take the right. Would you be okay with the Hawks if they traded like a couple of the young guys and then sign them to a fat contract? Nah, I don't really think holiday's the answer. I think the Hawks <laughs> are doing the right thing right now. I no, think definitely. spinning, they need to wait it out. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know if I could if I would want to invest make that kind of investment in Holiday right now if I was Atlanta. You know, I mean he's 29 years old. He doesn't have that many good years left. I feel like the Hawks still need like to let the core kind of mesh and then figure things out and then make a trade from there. But it kind of annoys me honestly that the the, the um, Pelicans keep getting all these primetime games. Like Zion's not playing. I get the fact you want to push Zion as being one of the big um, the league, but. I mean, the Pelicans have pretty much called it quits. You know, also Holiday is an expiring contract. If anything, I think think the 76ers should make a deal for him. I know you yeah, like the Heat. I think the Sixers would do. The Sixers really need him. I think that uh, both. I honestly, the 76ers have missed uh, having somebody like JJ Redick on that team. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you get Drew Holiday, you're like getting JJ Redick times three at this point. Uh, great defender which J.J. was not really a great defender at all. Um, great shooter, great scorer, knows what to do with the ball at all times. I Honestly, if you look at any team in the top eight across both conferences, they could probably use a player like Drew Holiday. So we're going to wait this one out and talk about it a little bit later. But I think the hierarchy probably is um, the Miami Heat, a return home to – or a return to Philadelphia or – Somebody that we're not thinking about. Um, I could see, like, you know, somebody like the Pacers or somebody random that just slides in and just grabs him. Um, it's hard to say, yeah. though, where he might go. And I'm not even sure if he moves relatively soon or not. It might be a while uh, until a team is ready to pull the trigger on that type of asset move. So we'll see. Portland Trailblazers could use him as well. I don't know if the Blazers don't really have anywhere they can put him. Playing yeah, because three they guards, have that two. They had the the duo, but I mean, you'd have to go a small ball lineup, kind of. But yeah, but that wouldn't work against the Clippers. The Clippers would be way too big and long for them. But um, I mean, they are getting some people back slowly over time. Yeah, the Pelicans have clearly sent the reset button, and pretty much they're just trying to acquire assets to rebuild a team nice and young. I mean, Holiday, those very – I mean, I'd love to see the Bucks get Holiday, honestly, but, I mean, I don't know if the Bucks have the assets necessarily to be able to pull off a move like that at this I point mean, in time. I mean, if you look across the board, like, there's – like, the 
Bucks could use him. I mean, there's a bunch of playoff contenders that could legitimately use him. I mean, you could even put him on the. I mean, the Lakers could use him. The Nuggets, even for God's sake. I mean, he's pretty versatile player. So I think that we're just gonna have to wait and see on this one. I don't know if I. I would assume that he probably gets moved, but I'm not gonna say it's gonna be relatively soon by any means. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Um, you know, kind of speaking of the Bucks being a good landing spot for him, this segues perfectly to our final topic for this episode. Um, or actually, I think we our second frame to last this topic. question. Can I frame this question? Yeah, we. You can frame this question. Who is more likely to break the record that the Golden State Warriors set in total wins in a season? The Milwaukee Bucks or the Los Angeles Lakers, who both sit at twenty-four and four. What are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to do it if one um, team does it? Who see my money would be on the Bucks just because the Eastern Conference is a little bit easier. Not really tussled with the Rockets or the Clippers much at all. Um, I think those two teams will put up a fight against them. I also think some of these other Western Conference teams are really going to start to make a playoff push. Uh, also, when you look at the Bucks' schedule right now after this game against the Lakers, like they have a stretch on here after that they get past that game where I feel like, you know, they could win the next like 25, 30 games. You know, I, I won't go that far, but I'll say they can win like another 18 to 20 games in a row. I really feel like the Bucks can. And Giannis, just the way this team is built, they're a tough team to beat. You know, they can hit so many threes. They're a deep team. Coach Bud's one of the better coaches in the league. If I had to put money on it, I would pick the Bucks is being. I would agree with you. I think the Bucks the Warriors record. Do I think if your team will do it? No. I think the Bucs have the best shot because they play in the Eastern Conference. But after this game against Milwaukee, which is a very tough game, obviously, for the Lakers, their mm-hmm. stretch is grueling. I mean, they have to go play Denver. They play the Clippers. They go to Portland. They play Dallas. They play Phoenix. Then they get a couple three-game stretch against some nobodies. They play Dallas again on the road. I mean, they have some tough stretches on their season so it's hard to say i mean I, I i think both teams are capable as far as their rosters go but just depends on what type of hot streaks we see because obviously it's all about massive win streaks when you're talking about breaking that record so we'll see yeah um also also feel like too the lakers are gonna rest Le- i wouldn't say rest lebron but i think we'll see his minutes go down for certain spurts as well Rather than the Bucks, you know, are a little bit of a deeper team, so I feel like that really helps them. But ultimately, you know, if any team's going to do it, it's Bucks so far, though. You know, it's been a fun NBA season. Uh, lots of you know, lots of parity so far in the league. It's a lot more even as well. I feel like there's still four, five, six teams that can win the title. Mm-hmm. Um, one topic I know that you wanted to talk about that I wanted to add in right here at the end as well. Um, what do you do? You first off, do you think these stories are true of Odell and Jarvis Landry going up to other teams saying, "Come get me"? And then Dude, honestly, second yes, off, I do because I, I was looking at their body language that game. I was like watching that game uh, just because I had heard all these rumors. I was watching their body language on the sideline. They have quit on this team, and that is inexcusable. Honestly, I I've lost all respect that I had for Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry because they came on this team and they were talking all this shit about creating a winning culture and as soon as the going gets tough they just run out the door i mean seriously it what did they expect 
They came into a situation with a second-year quarterback, a first-year head coach, a completely new offense with a young, or inexperienced offensive line. Like, What did you think was going to happen? I know that the hype was there in terms of having Mich- or, uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield. That means nothing if your offensive line cannot protect these players. Also, if you're not willing to work for more than a single season and you give up mid-game versus the Cardinals, dude, I just, I, I think that's pathetic. I, I've i lost a lot of respect for them for this. And I think they are asking people to come get them because they've done it in the past. This is not a, this is not a thing that's shocking to us. It shouldn't be. So I think it's a little bit unnerving that they would do this because I mean like what type of player does that? That's you you've lost your competitive edge. You're just immediately giving up in a struggling situation. I agree with you on it that I definitely have lost respect for them and that I definitely think that they are saying come get us and that they want out of there, but players you know it's kind of like antonio brown like he told the patriots come get me you know like it's these players man they want the easy way out they know that they are judged off getting rings if you're judged off getting rings why would you not want to go to the situation where you can eat best get one you know like every single they know every single team wants that deep threat that speedster playmaking wide receiver that you can throw a screen pass to they make one dude miss and they're gone for 80 yards you know there's not a lot of guys they would look at the if they would look at the big picture, they the dude with the most rings, he built it from the ground up. I mean, the guy yeah. with the most rings on his hand, he built it from the ground up. He started in a situation in which he was coming in as a young dude. I mean, obviously you had Bill Belichick, but Bill, Bill, Belichick wasn't Bill Belichick at the time. So, I mean, you can say what you want about one of the short or the shortcut or the quick way out or the quick way in, rather. I just think that you have to actually create a winning culture if you're going to come in there talking about creating a winning culture. you got to give it more than a season before you ask out. I mean, come on. Also, do these idiots not understand that they're best friends and that will never play again together if they both get out of Cleveland? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you want out of this situation? Yeah, they definitely will not play together again if they both get out of Cleveland. But, you know, I just feel like at the end of the day, you know, they're they're judged based off of how they perform. And they definitely they take the easy way out, which I don't at all. Like, look at Elliot Fitzgerald. He never took the easy, easy way out. He never tried to. You know, some of the all-time greats, it makes it that much sweeter when you get there, you know. And at the end of the day, even if your team can't get there, wouldn't you want to do everything you possibly can to your power so they could look back on you and say – you know, Odell Beckham, he never won the big game. And but I think, it, that, every I think a lot of it falls hard. on I think a lot of this falls on Jarvis Landry's shoulders because this is the guy that's producing at a Pro Bowl level, like we talked about. He made the Pro Bowl an hour mm-hmm. ago. He has seventy four receptions and one thousand yards. I mean, a lot of it falls on his shoulders because he hasn't been able to be like you know, console Odell because Odell's a little crybaby sometimes. He hasn't been able to say, like, yo, you'll get yours, you just gotta keep grinding. Like, this is a situation in which we're all learning. Like, they're learning to be good with the Cleveland Browns. Like, what did you expect? Did you expect the learning curve to be a successful team with the Cleveland Browns to happen overnight? Like, I just don't – I don't get – they forced their way there, and now they're, like, shocked that it's 
you know, like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely. They're like, and you know what, you know what team though should come go, come and get Odell is the Oakland Raiders. Well, that's worked out for him. Um, I've heard that he wants to play for the Steelers through the grapevine. I don't really That'd know. That'd be crazy. Yeah, dude. Like, what? Are, what? I just can't. I don't understand it, man. It's it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not a fan of it at all. I don't like mutinies like that. I don't like teams basically players basically giving up on the team. I mean, I mean, you look at. I don't know. I feel bad for Cleveland. You know, they've been bad for so long. They waited on this team, and they're probably not going to be good ever again. Yeah, and to be honest, dude, if you look at the top wide receivers in the league, they're all quiet dudes at this point. The most consistently good receivers are relatively quiet. They put their head down. They grind it out. I mean, how many times do you hear Amari Cooper or Julio Jones ever even mention? Julio Jones is on the Falcons, who have been struggling mightily on the back part of Julio's career. I'm not going to say that it's like, I don't want to say the back part. Like he's like about to, you know, retire or some say something, but like this is his window to win. And he hasn't said a word. He has said nothing. I mean, look at Godwin and Mike Evans. Mike Evans has been on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for years. No playoff appearances, not said a word. It's all across the board. DeAndre Hopkins, been on some struggle in Texans team. No words. Production. It's just, dude. Yeah, he caught, a touch, he caught a touchdown from four different quarterbacks one year, set an NFL record. You know, you didn't hear him say a word about one his way out of there. I, I agree with you completely. You know, you, work, you stay there, you work hard, you keep your head down, you're going to see success eventually. The way the NFL works, you know, each team usually gets their turn unless you're the Browns, and it looks like that it's more to come for the Browns and getting, more, and getting no success. Yeah, I mean, and it would be different if, Odell Beckham Jr. was sitting here leading the league in touchdown receptions and yards and still losing. It's like he can be better. Like he he can work with his team and his quarterback to be better, and he's sitting there not doing so. So it's like what – what? I'm confused why you want out. I just don't – I don't understand it. This is everything that you wanted, and now you want out? If I was a team yeah, they literally – if I was the team trying to pick him up, I would be a little bit weirded out by that. Yeah, you know, these superstar teams, they never work. Like, look, this team reminds me of, those, of that Eagles team they called the Dream Team. The before the Asimov signing? Yeah, yeah and uh, well, they had Michael Vick at quarterback. They had LaShawn McCoy. I can't even remember name guys where they went out there and got but I remember when they got Nobby Ozenball you know they were they didn't do anything there. That team was that team didn't even make the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they went eight and eight, so you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, I just I feel like that that's kind of what the Browns are. You know, you went out, you got all the big names, you traded for Odell Beckham, you traded for um, that pass rusher as well with him, Vernon. You know, Olivier Vernon. You know, you, you went, you got to have Miles Garrett. <laughs> I think Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph in the head with that helmet sums up the Browns over the last decade. Look, dude, I I I still think the Browns have an opportunity to be a really good football team. At Absolutely. Some point. I mean, they have a they have a good roster. I think that uh, Kareem Hunt actually wants to stay there. Uh, Nick Chubb wants to stay there. Baker Mayfield is probably more driven than ever to be good uh, because of his struggles this season. I think he's really going to get back to the drawing board and come out firing next season, especially if they're able to help his offensive line out. But I agree, it's just a little sophomore slump. That's all, dude. It's just a uh, dude. I I don't understand. 
This was expected for me. I, the Browns are a completely new team from head to toe. This is a team that went from really bad to really good in terms of players and talent. That never works out. It's always a two-year it's it's a two-year process. And to just give up this soon is just pathetic, dude. That's that's all I got to say. Pathetic. No, I agree with you completely. Well, Brett, I appreciate you coming on the podcast once again. Yeah, dude, of course. Um, I will be. I, I know some of my listeners probably are also listeners of your podcast. I will be releasing TRP episodes at some point in my life. That's all I can say. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, gonna... it's just, it's just, yeah, it's even been a rough, rough time with me too, man. Starting a new job, you know, I've, I haven't been able to put out as many as I used to. I used to do two a week, every week. I've been yeah, doing dude, one. I need to isolate myself in like Indianapolis or some shit, like you did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, dude. That's exactly what you need to do, man. It's easy money to get podcasts done. Yeah, just because you don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. I would FaceTime you, and you'd be like doing one of two things, like. Preparing for a podcast or playing Madden. <laughs> it was like no, yeah, well, there was no in between. Yeah, except and then on the weekends watching football, obviously. So yeah, not a course. whole lot to do out there, but chill. But yeah, well, we'll definitely do one again here soon. We got to do the end of the year awards here again soon. We had some good ones the last couple of years, so I'll do yeah, them again. I would like to do a uh, dude. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that one. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Until well, then. I'm going to say peace, my usual sign-off. Do follow the Twitter at TRP underscore sports. Actually, I changed it. Crazy. I changed it to underscore the role player underscore on Twitter. Kind of forgot about it for a second. Um, first tweet under the new name went viral. I think it's sitting at like a lot of everything. So oh. <laughs> shoot us a follow. So, peace. And follow me on Twitter at TP3Wins, on Instagram at TP3Bets. But that's all I got for you all today. Dog, the Hawks just gave up 143 points to the New York Knicks. Yeah, I watched the first half. We gave up 73. I gave up. But (laughs) on that note, we'll get out of here. Peace.